Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Caroline, you should tell them about the newest thing that Bloody Happy Hour is doing. A Patreon. It's a Patreon. What is that? Um, that means you're basically like a VIP member and you get you get some perks. You maybe get like merch a little earlier. You get Or exclusive merch. Exclusive merch. You could get um first dibs on signing up for a live show you get episodes with no commercials you get our video because our video is no longer available on youtube it is only on patreon and the most important to me is you get videos of our live shows but also bonus episodes each month but if you're on a Patreon, you're VIP, you're going to get more. Because I always have a lot of details I want to go to. I can law explain. I might read a book. <laughs> this is also going to be the exclusive place that Dirty Chat is going to go to. In order to hear the full content, it's going to be Patreon. Where do they go again? Patreon.com slash bloody happy hour. Hey y'all, I'm April. And I'm Caroline. And this is your bloody happy hour. Caroline, are you ready for this? This is your newest guilty pleasure. It's the bloodiest part of your week. Did we say something about it also being happy hour? Showed in. Because we about to be sipping on some murder. Bloody happy hour. Hey, y'all, this is April. And this is Caroline. Thirsty Thursday, bloody happy hour. I am drinking a blueberry pomegranate Vizzy. That, that is thanks to Lacey. Thank you, Lacey. She she likes to stock my fridge sometimes because at times it's quite empty. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, if I'm going to come over here and have drinks with you, we're going to have to have some to drink. <laughs> so thanks for those beverages. You are providing it for us for our happy hour experience yes and you know any of you listeners out there if you want to send us a happy hour beverage we have a bloody happy hour venmo and cash app and paypal we have we have um definitely have a venmo and we definitely have a cash app so if you're like y'all need to be a little bit more drinky and slurry and ice crunchy go ahead send ahead. send it send it send it um, we got a full episode for you. We're going to Florida, but Caroline has... Yeah, first let me give you an update about the trial that's going on right now in Austin. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's going on oh, right that's the now yoga girl. in Austin. Right? Yes. Okay. Let me tell you. So it's Caitlin Armstrong. She is the one who is the alleged murderer of Mo Mariah Wilson. Mariah Wilson was the professional cyclist. Colin Strickland is the connecting factor. He's the boyfriend, or he was dating Caitlyn. He was, like, kind of flirty with Mo, the one who was murdered. Um, This Colin Strickland guy is so sus. He goes up and he testified. He testified for two days. He walks in the courthouse. He's got a mask and sunglasses. You can barely see his face. And then he goes and he testifies and he's like his head down as he's talking really low and he's just like barely saying anything like this. And he's just like talking really weird. He leaves the courthouse the first day. He's walking and he's very tall and lanky. He's like a build of a swimmer. Uh-huh. But he's like walking. He's like a forward lean walk. And so it's just very awkward. And so there's these camera guys who are not in a space or invading him, but they're just filming him. Well, they're backpedaling as he's walking. This one camera guy, like, falls over. There's, like, these little barriers, those little plastic barriers. Mm-hmm. So the camera guy falls backwards over the barrier. If somebody is walking in front of you and they fall over, do you maybe help them up or do you step over them? Like, what would you do? I mean, I would at 
maybe attempt to help them up. I think ask I would, them if they're okay. I, I think my Give initial hand. reaction <laughs> would be like, "Oh my gosh, are you okay?" No. Colin steps over the guy, <laughs> walks right into his truck, and leaves. Okay, that was day one. Day two, he goes in. He testifies. Lunch break comes. He's walking. Camera guys filming him as he's walking somewhere. He goes and he puts his hand on the camera, pushes the camera thing. The guy almost drops the camera, which, okay, whatever, but still don't put your hands on the stuff. Then he finishes his testimony. He goes back out and he's leaving to go to his car again. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> camera guy's walking this time, like kind of to his left or whatever. Walking, Colin's walking straight, walking straight, goes out of his way to step on the camera guy's foot to where the camera guy's like, ouch! Like, in, you could verbal, uh, verbally? You didn't hear Audibly? Me. Audibly. <laughs> Whatever. Hear it. And so he, like, st steps on this camera. So he's like, what is the deal with this guy? And he's just very odd. So the guy's pressing charges on because that's assault. Yeah, Technically, yeah. it is assault. And he just has this very weird demeanor about him. And it's like, why? What? What do you think? Why is that necessary? If you're, uh, he's he's trying to be low profile. I get it. He's the basically the cause of this murder. Mm -hmm. I get it. You don't want to be there. I get it. But Social these anxiety? these people aren't. They weren't like aggressively paparazziing in your face. They were just, they had their, their distance and they were just like two of them. It's hmm. not like you are bombarded. I don't know what, the, I don't know what to think about it, but we are in the middle of the trial. It's supposed to last until around Thanksgiving. Um, she had a couple of friends come up on the stand and testify and they were uh, like, yeah, I heard her once say that she wanted to kill her. And, I mean, it's very obvious that she did it. She had plastic surgery. She did the Costa Rica thing. She came back, whatever. There's blood on the bike. There's her DNA. Caitlin's DNA is on the girl's bike who she killed. Yeah. All this stuff. There's, there's a ring camera footage of the shots. Oh. It's like you can hear scream, scream, shot, shot, pause, another shot. So she's chasing her through the house. She shoots her in the head. She shoots her in the head again. She falls to the ground. And then she stands over her and shoots, shoots her in the her chest. Again. Damn. And I am going to go to the trial. <laughs> I thought it's going on. It is. But I'm waiting to hear if she's going to testify. I want to go that day uh -huh. or closing arguments. Hell yeah, it's right down the road. You might as well. Uh, absolutely. I already <laughs> have it. I'm already going and Lacey's going with me. So do you, it, do let it, me know if you want to come. Tell us all about if it. If anybody wants to come, let me know. Email Caroline. Email bloodyhappyhour.com or or whatever. Bloodyhappyhour at gmail.com gmail <laughs> or Instagram it. Do it, do it, do it. And we can carpool because it's happening. Okay. Speaking of trials, this story is contains a trial. Um, and it's a recent story, and I bet you have probably seen some footage from this trial. Oh, my gosh. Um, so let's go to Florida, and let's meet a guy named Ronnie O'Neill III. Ring any Sounds bells? Sounds like a football player. He is not. But let's – I talked – did a story of some O'Neills before. Okay. They were – remember the High Five episode? The, yes. The group – and then the two brothers killed. There was one brother that killed um, a girl, like, in DFW area, and then one in the Houston area. Mm -hmm. Their last name was O'Neill's. And it was Russell and Ronald. So I think there's a lesson. Just don't marry R. O'Neill because they're going <laughs> to kill you. <laughs> I almost called you Rachel again. <laughs> Remember when I used to call I you Rachel? I get that randomly. I, I don't know. And I get Maybe said R. Christine or something. Anyway, I, we're going to have to come up with the list because the <laughs> list is growing because n not only is it if you have a cat, if you're a nurse. Yeah. What was the other one? Don't marry uh, O'Neill. Utah. Utah. And now an O'Neill? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So Ronnie O'Neill III 
also a red flag. Oh, gosh. Was born in 1988, grew up in a Christian household. Um, he tried to go to the military after high school, but could not pass the entrance exam. So probably wasn't very smart. Oh, shoot. Um, and so because he couldn't go to the military, he just ended up working odd jobs, never kept them for a long time. He couldn't get into the military? No, there's like this entrance ASVAB exam that has a lot of academic stuff on there and Even so dirty chad good. got into the military <laughs> but i'm sure he but lied we never about a said bunch dirty of chad was stupid though like dirty chad was very smart which was is he why though? he could do what he could do well that's true <laughs> so he got in trouble a couple of times for like marijuana went to jail but you know people think differently about that but nothing ever too, too violent on his record, mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. there's Ronnie. And now he, there's a, his baby's mama's name's Kenyatta Barron. We're going to call her Kiki. Kiki. Kiki was in college, part-time. She had a good job. Um, she lived in a nice home in the subdivision in Riverside, Florida, which is r next to Tampa. So them two got together, and they had two kids. One daughter named Ronivia. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> she was born in 2008. Okay. But Ronivia was born <laughs> premature. Um, she was diagnosed with autism and the non, like, low functioning, so she was nonverbal. She also had paraplegia. And I've seen some places that it was cerebellar hypoplasia, which is like CP, cerebral, cerebral palsy. palsy. Yeah. So basically the part of her brain that tells your body to move is not completely developed. So that's why she was paraplegic. She yeah. didn't have Yeah, yeah, sleep. yeah. So, and obviously like had developmental tube, delays. Like could, she couldn't walk or anything? No. She, paraplegia, so she didn't have use of her arms or her legs. Right. She yeah. can drink could and everything. Could she speak? Oh, she's, she's nonverbal. Nonverbal, yeah. Now, a word from our sponsors. She felt, she knew things that were going on. She would react. She would um, communicate with a um, just kind of assistive technology or sign language. I think she had some use of, like, her hands. So she had some sign wow. language. So um, her mom and dad knew that it was going to be a harder, difficult life for her, but they wanted to give her the best life ever. Um, Did she live in, a, like, a nursing home? or had mm -mm. To Lived at home. So they just nursed or cared for her? I mean, she sure they had some kind of there living. wasn't like any medical issues. She didn't have like tubes or anything in her. She did go to a special school and probably was like Just in a wheelchair. wheelchair. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, a lot of families do choose to put them in a home because it's a lot of work and a lot of families are taking it on. So but she could eat. Out yeah, of her she mouth can and eat stuff. and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, she knew what you're saying. Like she would react. She loved. She had a total personality. She well, because I had a sister yeah. who would had it, but she was completely she bedridden. Mm -hmm. um, but she lived till she was twelve. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. So then a year later, they had another son named Ronnie O'Neill the fourth. Okay. He had we have no complications. Ronnie, Ronivia, and now Ronnie the fourth. <laughs> they, they're not getting very creative. They need to. Okay. They need to get away from the R's. Mm. Now, um, he was fine. No complications at birth. Now, friends who knew this family said that they were both great parents. People at school said that Ronnie was big. Ronnie, Daddy Ronnie the third was a good dad. Kenyatta was a great mom. Um, and so they co-parented well. But their relationship was kind of rocky, a little chaotic. Um, and towards the end of their relationship, he ended up cheating on her and getting another woman pregnant. So she kicked him out because he ha was having an outside kid. So good for you, Kiki. Mm -hmm. We're not putting up with that. She kicked him out, but they co-parented. Now, um, this is in 2017 now. So the kids were born in 2008, 20, in 2009, and now we're in 2017. And Ronnie, Daddy Ronnie, got shot in a drive-by shooting, um, like, 
as a bystander. So it's like he was in a public place, there was a drive-by, and one of the bullets hit him. And so he had to heal from this, but it also affected his mental state a little bit. And his, for some reason, his family, his friends, did not want him to come live there to take care of him. And so girlfriend Kiki decided, I guess I'm going to be Good Samaritan. This is the father of my kids. He can come and live here temporarily. We're not together, um, but he can come stay here temporarily. She will soon regret that. Mm. So he tried to get a, keep a job, but he really couldn't. He spent most of his time in the garage recording rap music. Also during this time, though he grew up very Christian, he decided to convert to Muslimism. Islam. I don't know. How do you say it? Muslimism? I think Islamism. it's Islamism. <laughs> Islamophobia. <laughs> he decided to convert to Islam. Islam. Um, and he was a very devout what? Muslim at this time. So he Great was Great timing, April. <laughs> he was trying to convince her to also convert, but she wasn't having it. She was like, Jesus she is the person like for me. She was like Islamophobia. Jesus is the person for me. So um, March 18th, 2008 is where we're at. And we're in that Riverside um, city in their little quiet, quaint suburban home it's never quiet and a 911 call <coughs> comes in and let me just play it for you ma'am hello ma'am you have not done this i wanted y'all he represented himself yes in the trial yes. yes 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 we're about to get there okay so that was the first 911 call and it's really muffled but he um she was yelling i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry help me i love you ronnie i love you i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry oh and then God. he goes on to say He's talking to somebody, and he says, come out here and help me kill this bitch. Yes, he did. He okay. did. I heard the whole thing. So that was the first 911 call. Now, um, another 911 call, because a neighbor comes in, comes, and they hear screams. And they were alarmed because it is a quiet neighborhood. And then somebody was beating at their front door, and it was Kiki. Okay? <gasps> so they looked out, and they saw blood everywhere. They saw Kiki in distress, but they also saw Ronnie, come, Ronnie coming after her with a shotgun. Um, so they slammed the door and they called 911. So here's uh, this call. Yeah. Hello, 911. What is your emergency? Yes, my neighbor is beating up his girlfriend next door. What's going on there? <laughs> I don't know. I heard the neighbor telling help me. Help me, help me, help me. What's going on? I jumped here? up. I don't know. I think he's beating her. Next door, we just heard some noise. Okay. As the neighbor was just finishing her call with 911, another call came in. This time, it was from Ronnie's girlfriend, Kenyatta. 911, what's your emergency? I'm shot, help me. I'm shot, help me, please. Jesus, help me. I'm shot. Okay. What's the address of the emergency, ma'am? What's the, address, what's the address of your I'm emergency? I'm shot, help me, please. I'm what's your address, ma'am? Help me, please. 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 Hello, 911. 
Okay, so oh my God. the neighbor, and then while they were on the phone with the neighbor is when Kenyatta called, and she was a little bit more calm, so she had to got, get away a little bit and they able to make that call. Oh my now, um, what they saw next, the neighbor, is Ronnie came and got Kiki, drug her into the yard, back to their yard, standing over her, yelling her at her, and beaten her with something but it was dark and they were not going to go outside to oh be okay so after that ronnie ran back into the house and then six minutes later a third 911 call comes the whole neighborhood and here's this one. Oh shit after the call ended with kenyatta one more call would be made to 911 before the police arrived this time, it was Ronnie himself. 911, what is your emergency? Hey, I've just been attacked by some fucking white demons inside, and she tried to fucking kill me, and What's the I address? just killed her stupid ass. Huh? What's the address of the emergency? Tried to attack you? Yes, yes, yes. She did. She tried to kill me. After the call ended with... I okay. knew it because I recognized that voice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so. Do you have the audio from the trial? Yes. Oh. Yes. So, when he oh. ran back in, six minutes later, he called 911. Now, remember there's two kids in the house, a nine-year-old and a ten-year-old, and they both had just witnessed their dad attacking their mom. Okay? Police show up, and when they get there, they see Kiki in the yard. She was dead, had been beaten. She was covered in blood, and there was a shotgun next to her. But the butt of the shotgun was, like, broken off. Mm -mm. The house was dark, but the uh, one of the um, firefighters saw a little dim light on one side of the house. Then it got brighter, and then it got brighter, and they realized it was a fire. So they broke down the front door, yelled for anybody to get out of the house. They had already knew that there's probably three more people in the household. So the living room was engulfed. So he dropped to the ground and trying to like crawl through the home in the living room. And he quickly realized he was crawling in blood. And there were a bunch of knives like scattered around the floor. Decided to get the hose, you know, the mm -hmm. hose from the fire. And he was kind of firing off um, whatever, putting out flames as he was going in because he's trying to get to the other people. Mm -hmm. So he got to one of the bedrooms, opened the door, and the room was on fire. So he got the hose, putting out some of the fire around him. And he saw what he knew was a leg under a sheet and some other debris type stuff. Oh, my. So he grabbed the person, and it was little Ronivia. He carried her out. She was bloody, and she was burnt, like, to a crisp. She was already dead. Oh, my gosh. Um, she was pronounced dead at the scene. The firefighter... Burnt to a crisp. Yeah. Jesus. Um, but then the garage door opens, and... Daddy Ronnie, Ronnie the third, comes out yelling, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, no! Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, God is great, over and over and over. And then he's yelling, he's kind of like out of control a little bit, so they handcuff him and they put him in the back seat, and he's yelling, Kiki is the devil, the kids are the devil's kids. So they still don't really know what's going on, right? Not everybody's in tune to this 911 call that came in. They don't know, is this guy a victim? Is he not the victim? But they handcuff him and put him in the back seat because he's a little crazy right now. And he's trying to say, Ronnie, is Kiki killed his kids. Kiki's the devil. Kiki's killed the kids, okay? But then... A little boy comes running out of the garage, walking out of the garage slowly. He's bloody. Oh. He is burned on half of his body. And when he's walking out, he's holding something in his hands. And when he gets closer, it's his own intestines. 
holding his intestines in his hands, but he's walking. He's alive. And the first thing he says was, my father killed my mother. <laughs> so police grab him. He's put into the ambulance, and he's, of course, immediately rushed to the hospital. So autopsy comes back, and it reveals that Kiki, the mom, was shot with the shotgun two times. She had a broken arm, um, but that's not what killed her, not the shotgun, shotgun because it was just buckshots and not like, I guess, what a regular bullet would do. Mm -hmm. She was actually beaten to death with the base of that shotgun, that hard, wide, mm. like, wooden end. She had 15 separate lacerations to her skull, her face. Oh, her my gosh. Her teeth were gone, and she actually died of a severe brain hemorrhage. It was ruled homicidal violence. Clearly. Ron Nivia, the daughter with special needs, had several knife wounds to her, axe wounds also to her head, neck, and torso, and her foot. Um, and her spinal cord had been severed, but her body was fully burned all over, also ruled homicidal violence. Ronnie the fourth was taken to the hospital. He had emergency surgery. He had been stabbed in his neck, chest, stomach, and extremities, and was burned on thirty percent of his body and disemboweled. Innards oh shit! Were outards, and the that's were outards. why he was holding his intestines in his hand. But he survived after uh -huh. all those surgeries. He survived. He had multiple skin grafts. He had to go through tons and tons of physical therapies and, of course, like emotional therapies and counseling, but he recovered. And mm -hmm. when he was able to, he told the story of what happened. So he said it was mm. a school night mm. and he was in bed. And him and his sister were getting ready to go to sleep. It was kind of uh, um, late, but he heard a bunch of yelling. And his mom and his dad had been arguing a lot. And so he figured it was about religion because they had been, his dad had been ranting about his religion a lot lately. And he was yelling the Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. Okay. Trying to force okay, Kiki to is, say That's it. what they were ranting on the planes at 9-11. Oh, oh, yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. And that's what all the people are ranting right now. In Hamas or whatever it's called. Yes. Um, God is great is what it translates to. God is great, to. but, <laughs> I mean, it, the, I, I, they have different God, I guess. I mean, right? Like, At, uh, They have different rules for their God. Clearly. Yeah. And not all of them, because there's, there's a group of Muslims that are the nicest people that you know that even, like, believe in Jesus. They just have a different... It's like... Saying all Catholics are whatever. There's there's some Muslims that won't do things that Christians will do every day because they have the true fear of their God, right? Where Christians will do all the things. We'll smoke, we'll drink, we'll do all the Ten Commandments because we know that our God will forgive us. Where these Muslims are like, I'm way too scared of my God to do that because... But then they, like, go and they're like, oh, I'm going to suicide bomb everything. Some, yeah. So there's, right. like, so all like the, the different, the Sunnis, the Shiites, and all the different ones. So that's where it gets, like, shady is, like, I just you say Muslim and then people, like, generalize it to right. Osama yeah. and whatever these people are doing. And... She ran, he heard her run into his sister's room and hide in the closet. And then that's where she had made that first 911 call where she was screaming. That first one we heard, who we heard. The, yeah, muffled, really crazy one. And that call, you hear him say, help me kill this bitch. Well, that is big Ronnie talking to little Ronnie. He had went and got little Ronnie, put the shotgun in his hand, put his finger on the trigger, and tried to force him to shoot his own mom. Yes. Ronnie later says that he could not remember if the gun went off or not. Mm. Now, um, 
His dad told him to go to the garage and get his hunting knife. So little Ronnie goes to the garage, and then he sees his mom run out the front door. And this is when Ronnie shot her in the back. So Daddy Ronnie shot her in the back when she was running out the front door. She made it to the neighbor's house, banged on the neighbor's <sighs> door, and that's when he came and grabbed her, drug her to the yard, and beat her in the front yard. Shit. Um. When he, when Big Ronnie ran back into the house, he ordered Little Ronnie to walk in circles and chant Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, in circles. Uh-uh. Then nope. he nope. went into nope. the garage and he got an axe. Okay? He hit Ronivia, went to his sister, where his sister was. He hit Ronivia with the axe in the back. She was laying on her stomach. He was making Big Brother watch this. So Big Brother <coughs> testified that when he hit her in the act with the axe, a tear went down her face, but she said nothing because she was nonverbal. And then he hit her in the neck with the axe, severing her spinal cord, and then one last whack in the back of the head. He said that is when her eyes rolled backwards. Then he ran, tried to run away, and his dad grabbed him. He ran when he saw his dad stabbing Renivia over and over and mm -hmm. over. Okay? Mm -hmm. So then his dad came after him, <clears throat> chased after him with the knife, saying, God is my father, God is my father, and viciously stabbed Ronnie and gutted him. But Ronnie's still alive, remember? Yes, so I know. he watches his dad go to the garage, get his gas can, pour it all over his sister, oh, pour shit. it all over him, all over the house. Then he sees his dad go get a lawnmower, mower, wheel it into the house, take off the gas cap, dump it over so that all the gas is falling out. Okay? He mower. The lawnmower. He lawnmower over? He tipped the lawnmower over so that all the gas would fall oh, out. Oh, he didn't lo actually lawnmower. No, he did not mow over her. Well, that's surprising. <laughs> okay, and then he got <gasps> matches and Kleenex, lit up the Kleenex, threw it on oh all the little God, bitty gas just, how, What time frame is all this happening in? Quickly, because the cops hadn't even got there yet. Oh, my gosh. She's on another level. And probably, hopefully, a lot of Moving drugs. Quick. And Moving quick. Psychology. Oh, my gosh. So police investigated after all this, and mm. there were no open CPS cases. They were looking for, like, a history of abuse or, you know, domestic disturbances mm. or, like, mm. drug abuse or anything. All they can find is a little bit of marijuana charges. There was a domestic disturbance three years ago where he threw, like, a wrench on the windshield of her car because she wouldn't let him drive the car. Um, but that is mm. it. And teachers and everybody said that they were good parents. Like, he was a very devout father. Oh, my gosh. Ronnie was charged. Um, Ronnie the third, Daddy Ronnie was charged with two counts of first-degree murder, attempted murder, arson, and resisting arrest. He was taken to jail, but then immediately deemed unfit to stand trial and taken to a hospital. Of course. So three years Until goes he by. Stands trial. Three years, and he's finally been deemed fit to stand trial, and he is facing punishment of execution, <laughs> which I didn't know this. In Florida, you have the electric chair or lethal injection. I don't know because Florida's changed their whole. They they recently after Nicholas Cruz. And they didn't, you didn't have to have a unanimous, no, for the Nicholas Cruz trial, you had to have unanimous vote to get the death penalty. They had one juror hold out. That's why he did not get the death penalty. They've recently changed it to where you do not have to have unanimous vote to get the death penalty. You have to have, like, whatever, a certain amount. So... What was that had nothing, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I don't know. I, well, I asked about um, the electric chair and lethal injection as two options. Okay. Hmm. 
I'm not sure where I was going, but I feel like I had an idea of saying something, but I don't know what I was saying. <laughs> um, well, I had looked it up because it said that on something I was listening to, and I looked it up, and well, it says you like, have why? two options. Who, but, but why don't we ever do we ever do the electric chair? I wonder. I don't know. Oh, maybe I was just saying that it's it, maybe it's changed recently since it's all because oh. maybe they just added. I didn't know they still did the electric chair. They did. Well, they added it in 2000, and I couldn't see that they've taken that option away. So I I put in what um, execution options are there in Florida? Lethal injection and electric chair. I just don't know that they ever really choose that. I would love for that guy (laughs) to get the electric chair. So that's what he's facing. Um, Now... We're about to go to the trial. <laughs> Little Ronnie is still recovering mentally, physically, you know, therapies, but like it's a struggle. He, I mean, just five seconds of what he went through, just watching his mom get killed, but then you watch your sister get killed, and then your dad, it's your dad, then he tries to kill you, tries to get you to kill your, like it's just way too much, right? So everything that he lost everything all in a matter of like 15 minutes. He tried to go live with family members and it didn't last very long. Family members quickly dismissed him and sent him back wherever. Um, He tried to live with different like maybe like foster care families, but he was still was actually living in the hospital for a long time after this. There's one stable person in his life, and that is the police officer on the scene, Officer Blair. He would come in, and he would visit little Ronnie. He would bring him gifts. He had a good friend that was on the played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so he would bring him, like, signed footballs and, like, jerseys, and he established a relationship with little Ronnie. And he formed a relationship so well, him and his wife, their date nights would be going – to watch movies sometimes with little Ronnie because he would call him up and say, do you want to come by? Cause he just had nobody, but like the doctors and therapies. So eventually Ronnie O'Neill, the fourth became Ronnie Blair because that officer and his family agreed to take him in and he had five kids already agreed to take him in and adopt him. And that's who he's still with like till this day so there's one little happy part of this they have a family mantra that's called i am that's the where they say i am safe i guess when he would get like anxious and scared or angry i am safe i am loved and i am part of this family so they'll chant it over and over which he needed that mantra mantra because what's about to happen is... He's about to go to trial. He's about to go to trial. Isn't that? He is the star witness. I know. I know. He I is know, a star I know, witness. I know, I know. So um, here's the trial. And, you know, Big Ronnie is not only stand fit to stand trial, he obviously thinks he's fit to represent himself. So we're going to hear a little bit of his opening <sighs> statement. The evidence is going to show. Oh, I know. I don't know. That we are under some of the most vicious And the evidence is going to show. 
that law enforcement tampered with evidence to meet their such high burden of proof. Ronnie's approach to this case was to show that most of the evidence that was against him had been falsified. He believed that if he could poke holes in the prosecution's case, that he would receive a not guilty verdict, or at least a mistrial. Because originally, it wasn't enough. So we had to tamper with evidence. Since it was such evident already, but we still had to tamper with evidence. The evidence is going to show my son did not see me murder his mom. The evidence is going to show he did not see me shoot his mom. The evidence is going to show my son said many things that are not true. The evidence is going to show that I called 911 during Kenyatta Barron's 911 call. But all of a sudden, it ends up after I called Kenyatta, uh, after Kenyatta Barron's call was made, now I'm calling 911. But originally, I called 911 without even knowing she called 911. During her call, my son did not witness me viciously beat his mom to death. The biggest piece of evidence against Ronnie was the testimony of his son. His son claimed that he had seen everything his father had done before his father tried to take his life. Ronnie continues reciting his opening statement, doing his best to mimic every episode of Law & Order he has ever seen. The evidence will show that the state cannot prove that I premeditatedly killed anyone because I didn't have any time to reflect or plot and plan as if uh, everything happened suddenly and spontaneously. I responded out of pure instinct and heat of passion. Oh. He, <laughs> he literally just confessed. Eliminating any kind of premeditated design. And let me just say, the evidence will show that since the state plans to kill me, if they can say that I killed my family unjustly, they plan to premeditatedly kill me <laughs> so they cannot say or deny me the right to premeditatedly kill Kenyatta Barron if she killed my children. What you Ronnie's son takes the stand and gives his testimony of what happened. After Ronnie's son gave his testimony, Ronnie decided to put his son through a cross-examination. So bad. I saw this. Oh, gosh. Good. It's good to see you, man. Uh, good to see you too. Did I hurt you that night of this incident? Yes. I did. And how did I hurt you? You stabbed me. It would take the jury only a few hours to reach a guilty verdict. Ronnie would receive three life sentences. Y'all, this guy is... Look, Caroline will post a picture, but he... he you can't describe him. You cannot expect a jury... Like, obviously you're off... Like, no. It, it actually helps him. What he did actually helps him. 
And so part of me is like, is he sane or did he just put on a big show? Because no, nobody like that saying. He was facing the death penalty, right? He actually, the jury did deliberate and it took him a couple hours. They convicted him for everything. He got three life sentences mm-hmm. consecutively. And um, he didn't, without the possibility of parole, but no death penalty. And they actually said that watching him in action, they did not think he was mentally stable. And that's the only reason why they didn't go with the death penalty. And the judge had a lot to say at the end. And basically, she, she lectured his ass. And the star of the show, of the trial, was brother, right? Mm-hmm. And who kind of got erased was little Renivia. So she did this tribute kind of to Ronivia and about how her life was already hard. She already had challenges. And then the person that she's supposed to trust the most in her life took her life away. Okay. There's a part of you that can be very charming and very likable. And with all due deference to your counsel, they're all excellent lawyers, excellent lawyers. But I have to tell you, I think that your representation of yourself also aided in saving you from the death penalty. I really do. I really think that. I could be wrong, but that's just my best guess. However, well, you're welcome, Mr. O'Neill. I'm just telling you the truth as I see it. Yeah. However, um, 19 years I've been at this job. Killed at the hands of others in every way imaginable. You name it, I've seen it. Shooting, stabbings, drownings, suffocatings, blown apart by uh, cars and DUI manslaughter cases. Horrible things. This is the worst case I have ever seen as far as the facts go. Um, I, um, when they fire when the person from um, the fire department, when he testified, and when he said that he retrieved the body of Ronivia O'Neill from the home, and all he could do was sob. It took every ounce I had not to start sobbing too. Because there is no way any person with any feeling could have witnessed or seen the photos of what occurred that night and not be haunted for the rest of your life. I know I will be. For the rest of my life, I'll be haunted by what I saw as far as the evidence and just the abject cruelty of it all. On count one, Mr. O'Neill, I will adjudicate you guilty, sentence you to life in prison with a minimum mandatory of life in prison without the possibility of parole. Count two, I will adjudicate you guilty, and adjudicate you guilty on count one as well. Count two, adjudicate you guilty sentence you to life in prison without the possibility of parole, consecutive to count one. On count three, I'm going to sentence you on the attempted murder, adjudicate you guilty, sentence you to life in prison, running consecutive to counts two and consecutive to count one. On count four, on the arson, first degree dwelling, I will adjudicate you guilty sentence you to 30 years Florida State Prison to one, run consecutive to counts one, two, and three. On count five, aggravated child abuse, I'm going to adjudicate you guilty, sentence you to 30 years in the Florida State Prison to Bye. run consecutive to counts Bye. one through four. Adios. On count six, I'm going to adjudicate you guilty to aggravated child abuse, sentence you to 30 comments. years in prison to run consecutive to counts one through five. And on count seven, resisting arrest without violence, I will adjudicate you guilty, sentence you to time served. Credit for time served is 1,224 days. You have 30 days to appeal to judgment and sentence of the court. In his closing statements, <laughs> at, at before he was sentenced, in his closing statement, like his last thing was, I'm not sorry for what I did. And I'm not s- for what I didn't do, and I'm not sorry for what I did do. 
Yeah. And that was well, it. what I did do. Amaha Akamala. Uh, Whatever the Yeah. Hell. Jesus, take the wheel with this stuff. So there is freaking Ronnie O'Neill. Never date O'Neill. But that was horrible. I mean, we've done. Yes, that was horrible. That is the. That's horrible. I just remember seeing the trial, like seeing the footage of that trial. And I was like, what is this case? And it was just like random clips of mm-hmm. him yelling like that and doing his prosecutor impersonation or whatever he, he would, was defense attorney <laughs> he would yell he would cuss so he did get reprimanded a lot there's a lot of footage if you're just interested um in it but he he yeah. made himself look cr- even crazier so i think that solidified the crazy and that's why he didn't yeah. get the death penalty not because he did a good job at all which he did do some research like he you can tell like he'll say you know, they'll well, say, you know what they do is whenever they want to do, whenever they want to do like the sovereign citizen thing, they all talk about it in the prison. Like they're like, they all gather together like mm. the prisoners. That's kind of like Daryl Brooks. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's what I who I thought of when I watched this. They're like, oh, just do this, and especially if they're like cuckoo, they they gonna do it. Gosh, well. That is it. That is it. That is it. Oh, that is it. And uh, I got a notification about punitive damages, and it's like another hundreds of millions. So, whatever. Wow. But okay. that was a great story. I'm so glad you did it. I wanted to do it, and or I wanted us to do it. And yeah. we've I've no I've sent I've probably sent it to you a long long time ago, but I kind of forgot about it. How I'm trying to think. Sweepy sent it to me. Because <laughs> it, it was how long ago? It was a while ago. 21. Or oh, it happened shit. in 2018, but he went to trial in 21. So it was recent. So yeah, he recent. sent it to me. Um, Must have been before I was like in trial. In, uh, a on lawyer. every jury. Before uh, you an lawyer. attorney and a lawyer and yeah. uh, on the jury. Yeah. Um, Love okay. it. So That's glad it. we did it. Great story. April got to go to dinner and I got to go feed the dogs. And That's it. We'll see y'all next time. Don't forget to stay aware, stay alive, and always be DTF. Bye, y'all. Bye-bye. Hey, I'm Blair. And I'm Brittany. And we're the host of By the the Cover Cover Podcast. Podcast. (laughs) We cover everything from mysteries, thrillers, romance, chiclet, and even some smut. Don't forget the smut. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're so excited to get this thing going and share this with you guys. We've been talking about this for months, and it's finally, finally happening. Yes. Special shout out to Rogue Media for helping us with this. For sure, for <laughs> sure. You can find us on Instagram at by the cover underscore podcast. You can also find us on Facebook and TikTok, so don't forget to give us a follow on those two also. We are so excited to dive into some of our favorite books and share those with you. We can't wait. Hope you love it. Hi, and welcome to Bustles and Bangers with your hostess, Rachel and Christopher. I love it when you say my name. And you didn't say hi. I didn't. You, you just kept going. I'm going to introduce the book. I'm <laughs> not reading it it's because I don't like reading. Girls like cowboy butts, you know, and those jeans don't hide anything. Mm. Find us on Instagram at Bustles and Bangers or on RogueMediaNetwork.com. This has been a Rogue Media Network production. <laughs>